0: been talking about the parables and um, Jesus' method of teaching, uh, one of the ways that he taught, uh, of course, while he was here on earth, and it's um, a good way to study his word in Jesus' name. First week, you talked about the parable of the sower, so important, praise God, because the seed form is something that can, um, that can make a change in people's lives in Jesus' name. Last week, we talked about the lost sheep. And, um, uh, and what does that really mean to us, and, and are we in the sheepfold? That's what we want to make sure that we maintain every day, every day, praise God. Tonight we're going to talk about the parable of the laborers. The field, of course, um, is very, very, very important in Jesus' name for us to recognize that and to, um, and to be part of it, because God does want us to, to understand these things. We'll look at a couple of different variations of this um, one is of course the 20th chapter of the book of Matthew um, and then um, in the 14th chapter of the book of Luke uh, we'll look at that and Jesus's instruction um, for these things in Jesus name and I'm so thankful that we can be a part of it can you say amen, amen. praise God you know brother Jeremy I think we might play that um, uh, we might play that that do you have it loaded all of that technology. Hey, if you see Jake tonight, tell him thank you. He has just been a jewel. He has just redid our, um, uh, there you go. probably person most
1: responsible There are people like any movement that were not in the limelight, that society overlooked, and perhaps even historians overlooked. One of those people, was a young African-American woman named Lucy Farrow. We're not quite sure how Lucy Farrow met Charles Parham, but we do know that they were in Houston, just as the Houston Revival broke. And and perhaps they were out walking uh, at that particular time in the history of our country, in the history of uh, the way the Western civilization was evolving. Uh, People were moving from riding horses to driving automobiles. Houston was a oil rich town and uh, some people had purchased automobiles. But the problem with driving automobiles in Houston at that time was that most people traveled by horse and horses leave uh, spent fuel behind. So usually early in the evening, uh, street cleaners would come out and clean the streets. And then the people who owned automobiles would take a little time to drive around the city. Some have speculated that perhaps in one of those evenings when the streets had been clean and people were up walking and Charles Parham ran across Lucy Farrell. She, at that time, was a pastor of a small holiness mission in Houston. And somehow they connected. One of Parham's students, William Seymour, went to Los Angeles to spread the apostolic faith message. Uh, Parham was initially reluctant to let Seymour go because Seymour hadn't received the baptism of the Spirit. When he got to Los Angeles, he ran into some opposition. People who had invited him rejected the message, and he ended up meeting with a few people in their homes, for home prayer meetings, but no one had received the baptism of the Spirit. So Seymour sent word back to Karim, is there any way possible that Lucy Farrow can come to Los Angeles? And when she did arrive, the first people began to receive the baptism of the Spirit. And increasingly, the. Revival broke out to become famous, Street Revival. And later during that revival, Pharaoh lived in the building on Azusa Street in the upper room and she prayed people through the Holy Ghost. She even prayed with Howard Goss and he, he had already received the Holy Ghost. He spoke on one time in tongues on a train but he never was able to speak in tongues again until pharaoh prayed for him and then it kind of broke a dam in his life and he began to be able to speak freely in tongues so uh, this african-american woman who some people would suggest was the niece of Frederick Douglass but an insignificant person was uh, buried in an unmarked grave in Houston just recently Found the graveyard and erected a stone in her honor as the mother of Pentecost.
0: Wow, yeah, a little bit of a history lesson there. Um, and uh, the the um, apostolic movement, the oneness movement, is full of that. You can um, you you can um, study a lot of folks that have given up a lot of things for this for this message and uh, the focus tonight though um, isn't going to be so much historical as it's going to be on the harvest Um, god i I feel like and i i think i've made mention of this in the church before here recently here um, i feel like the the united pentecostal church international has really done um, a tremendous job of of doing that of focusing um, on the harvest where the harvest is that type of thing and, um, and hopefully tonight God can give us a vision of where the harvest field would be in your personal life. Um, because that's, I feel like that's one of the, the greatest privileges that God can, um, can give us. I remember uh, when, when I first began to feel a calling to the ministry. And, I, and it was strange to me because I, uh, you know, it was just so, why God? What are you even talking to me about this? I just want to get in the church, find a decent pew. Um, and and just worship you and and be faithful to the church services. But God wouldn't let it go at that. And I'll never forget, after several days of God dealing with me specifically, um, we at that point in time, Sister Carnahan and I were were, um, living in an upstairs apartment and um and i never forget looking out the 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 window one night as god and i were just talking again about how or i was telling god how ridiculous it was for him to be calling me to to um to uh, preach and um all of a sudden god just changed the whole tone of the thing and he began to show me the need and um i'll never forget it was one of those um God moments that I, I can go back to, and I can really begin to realize what God, how He changed, my thinking. Because you know, a lot of times when we look at ministering or if we look at, you know uh, um, uh, being a part of witnessing and that type of thing, um, the word inadequate, does that does anybody besides me ever have that word come up when you when you think about that? And that is, that's true. And I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm just saying, I don't think there's ever going to be a time when we feel fully adequate to do the work of the Lord. But I think what, 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 the, what the harvest can do for us and what I'm hoping will help tonight a little bit for us is that, that we can begin to see the need. You know, one of the specific prayers that Jesus made, of course, was for laborers. He said, this is what we need. We need people to go into the harvest field and to become laborers um, to reap the harvest, and of course he's not just he 's not talking about vegetables or, or fruit he 's talking about souls and so hopefully tonight you 'll get a a, a a maybe a little deeper vision of what the Lord would have you to do specifically because this is the plan of God in my opinion it 's not just his plan for us to come and enjoy the services, although that is part of it you know it's uh, god 's plan of course is for us to be involved in the harvest in Jesus' name. I'm going to show you something. It's not in your lesson book, but God helped me to see this in the 20th chapter of the book of um, Matthew, and maybe you, maybe you will see this too. Look at Matthew chapter 20, and of course, Jesus in verse number 1, he's saying, For the kingdom of heaven is like, it says, unto a man that is an householder which went out early in the morning. Everybody say early in the morning. It says, to hire laborers into his vineyard okay and then it says and when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day he sent them into his vineyard okay and then the bible says and he went out about the third hour everybody say the third hour it says and saw others standing idle in them in the marketplace and the scripture says he asked them a question he says He said unto them, Go ye into into the the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. He didn't even discuss the wage. The scripture says in verse number 5 And he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour, and did likewise, and about the eleventh hour. And he went out and found others standing idle, and saith unto them, Why stand you here all the day idle? and of course their answer was that uh, no man hired us and he saith unto them go ye also into the vineyard and whatsoever is right that shall you receive and so um, one of the major contentions of this particular bible study was um, uh, um, was what they're going to get paid what was going to be the um, the wage and the scripture says, so when evening or when evening was come, when even was come, the Lord of the, of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire. It says, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came, um, it says that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. Scripture says that when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. Isn't that something? And the scripture says, And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house. <laughs> and, and saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have bore the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. And he said, didst not thou agree with me for a penny? And then in verse 14 he says, take that thine is and go thy way and I will give unto this last even as unto thee. And I think a very important point here in verse 15 and 16. He says, is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Look at somebody and say, it is. Now, we don't like to admit that, but you see, we're, that's the way it is. And it says, is thine eye evil because I am good? Hmm. Yeah. It says, so the last shall be first and the first last for many be called, but few are chosen. We see kind of a hang up there, don't we? You know, wages can be that. You know, sometimes we, you know, that can be a, a big part of why we do what we do. Um, but when it comes to the kingdom of God, everything counts. I remember one of the jobs I had um, when I was going to Bible school, I had to take different employment. And um, one of the jobs I had was I, I worked for a, a company called Combine Insurance. Anybody ever heard of Combined Insurance? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Are you glad you don't hear about it anymore? Yeah, that's, that's it. Well, combined insurance is just a door to door sales job. That's what it is. And they sell a couple of, about two or three different simple pro, um, policies. And, and they're accident policies, is what they are. So you've got to get hurt in order to use them. <laughs> um, and I don't know how you, how, if anybody here is familiar with it, but farmers back in Iowa love them. Because there's probably about a 98% chance. <laughs> It might even be higher than that. I don't know, but about a 98% chance that these farmers are going to get hurt, and they're going to cash in on these policies. And so, you know, um, and that's where I worked. I worked in Iowa, worked west of Dubuque there, and um, and it was all farmland. But I'll never forget. I got that job, and um, and in August and September, one of the reasons I worked there was so that I could I could kind of tutor my hours a little bit. But come around the last of September and October. Things fell flat as a pancake. And you want to know why? Because the farmers there were in the process of getting their crops in. And as soon as you'd pull into their driveway, they would, you know, I'm not saying they would become rude, but they'd become very, very, very um, adamant about the fact they didn't want to talk to anybody. At that point in time, they were busy getting those crops in. Usually in the fall of the year there in Iowa, either soybeans or corn. And usually, you know, drying was a big thing and that type of stuff. But when they were in the fields, folks, that's all they were focused on. And I remember one day getting, a, you know, a couple, about three or four of those rejections, and then heading back into Dubuque and saying, Man alive, I might as well just stay at home today. And the Lord began to talk to me about the harvest. And he used that, what was going on in my life, or the examples of what was going on in my life. And he said, That's how I would like my church to be. He said, I would like my church to become that focused on the harvest. And man, I'll never forget that. That spoke volumes to me in Jesus' name. And so you and I must understand that's one of the most important things in the kingdom of God. Now, I understand, you know, that, you know, we have to be careful that we don't get to the nth degree with this. But I believe that from time to time, I believe that God, probably on a regular basis, God wants to bring that emphasis back into our lives. And as a pastor in this church, that's one of the things that I kind of look for. You know, um, uh, one of the things that I've grown to do is 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 to try to monitor, you know, how much um, how much suicide is being sown on a weekly basis. What are we doing as a church? And I do that from time to time, not just with myself, but for, with 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 everything that's going on in this church, because it's very very. I mean. It doesn't take rocket science to figure out you're not going to get a crop without sowing seeds. Amen. And then another thing that I monitor is I monitor what happens when people do come. What happens? What are we going to do? What's going to happen to those people once they come here? Are they going to enjoy a few services and then we never see them again? Which... I sad to say that, that is a lot of the case, it is. And I'm not here to, to, to put anybody down or I'm not here to critique anybody here. I'm just saying, you know, what can we do better to do that? What can we do better to retain people? Praise God. And then one of the other areas that I look at in, in the church as pastor is how are people growing? Are people maturing? Praise God. Because this, in my opinion, has to do all with the harvest in Jesus' name. Now, I don't know if you saw this, if you've ever seen this before in, um, in, in uh, uh, Matthew chapter number 20, but, but Jesus lists specific times, specific times that, that, that this harvest was to be, you know, applied. I can put it that way, you know. And I don't know about you, but in, in, in the Bible, the King James Version Bible or the Word of God, they don't have daylight savings time. They don't turn their clocks back, okay? The Jews deal with a 12-hour day and a 12-hour night. That's just how it works, you know. And it, it uncomplicates things, and it, and it helps, you know, the thing to get done. And I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but let me show it to you. You know, Jesus said in chapter number 20 there, in verse number um, uh, Verse number one, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder and went out early in the morning. Early in the morning. Now, there's three, maybe there's four specific places that you will find that happening. Can anybody guess where that's at? Let me give you a hint the (laughs) Gospels. That's where you find them. You find them in every one of those Gospels. Um, Let me give you an example here. Look at um, Matthew 28, chapter 28, and verse number 1. Scripture says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Amen. And so it was at the beginning of the day there. Look at um, uh, Mark, chapter number 16. Look at Mark chapter 16 and verse number 1 again. The Bible says, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And look at verse number 2 there. And very early in the morning. Do you see that? I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that's when the harvest is beginning. Praise God. Early in the morning. Look at... um, uh, Luke chapter uh, t- uh, 24. Luke chapter 24. And look at verse number 1. It says, Now upon the first day of the week... There it is again. Now we're talking about, we're talking about the harvest. And it begins early in the morning. And I don't believe it's an accident that that's, that, that is in the Scripture, praise God, that those people that came first to that sepulcher came very early in the morning. Amen. Now, just to finish it off, look at, um, look at John, the Gospel of John. Chapter number, I believe it's chapter number 20. Yeah, chapter number 20. And it says there again, it says, The first day of the week cometh Mary, cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark. Amen. So it was pretty early in the morning, wasn't it? And so isn't that fantastic how God, how the how you deal with that? Praise God. When you're dealing with the harvest, praise God, we're talking about what the Lord has done. Amen. And right away, it starts right away in the morning. And so these, these the Bible says in verse number 2, and when they had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into the vineyard. Now look at verse number 3. Now we've traced this early in the morning. We've got the Gospels, okay? Look at verse number 3. And he went about... Can somebody say the third hour? third hour? Amen. Does anybody think about where there's a time when that third hour came up? What's that? When they received the Holy Ghost. Absolutely. Look at Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter number 2. And look at this. Acts chapter number 2. And the Bible says, of course, we're familiar with this because this is the day of Pentecost, isn't it? This is when, when the Holy Ghost was poured out. And the scripture tells us, man, I can't turn these pages fast enough. Scripture says um, in, in, in chapter number two, you know, that when the, when the noise went abroad, when they received the Holy Ghost, there started to be a gathering, praise God. And the Bible says there was a response to that. Look at verse number 13. It says, on 2 and 13, this is in Acts. It says, Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judah, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the... Come on, we're talking about the harvest. This is what we're talking about. And one of the things that, that surrounds the harvest, of course, is the aspect of what Jesus did and what he poured out. If you want true harvest, praise God, we've got to go back into that Bible and find out what these, what these things mean. And, of course, we understand in the second chapter of the book of Acts, after Jesus arose from the dead and he spent 40 days, you know, tutoring these guys, that they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody say the harvest. the harvest. Amen. Well, let's go on here. You know, the scripture says in, um, in, in Matthew chapter number 20 there, if I can get back to it real quick here, it says, the Bible says in, in verse number 5, again, he went out about the sixth hour. Amen. Can anybody think of a time that the sixth hour came up? Boy, is this too hard for a Wednesday night project? (laughs) It's in there, folks. You can see it. Here, let me me show you. Praise God. Look at John, chapter number 4, the Gospel of John. Amen. And does anybody recognize that chapter? What was Jesus doing there? Oh, hallelujah. He was sowing some seeds. He was sowing some seeds to a Samaritan woman. Praise God. And the Bible says here, uh, let me begin reading in verse number 4 there, or chapter number 4, I'm sorry. And I just lost my place. Sorry. Sorry. Be right, I'll be right there. Be right there. Yeah, there it is. Okay. Look at this. The scripture says in, in chapter number 4 and verse number um. Uh, verse number one, it says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judah and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through, everybody say Samaria. And the Bible says, then cometh he to the city of Samaria, Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied in in his journey, sat thus on the well. Do you see that? Jesus is sowing the seed here, folks. He's sowing the seed. I'm not going to take the time to read what he was doing there, but we know that he was telling that woman some extremely important things, wasn't he? Praise God. That's why when you go to the 8th chapter of the book of Acts, do you remember when the, when, when, um, when the Samaritans received the word of God? I'm going to tell you something, folks. The Bible says in verse number, I'm going to say in verse number 5, 8 and 5, I'm talking about Acts. It says, When Philip went down to the city of Samaria, he preached Christ unto them. And the scripture says, And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Praise God. I'm going to tell you something, folks, the reason there was great joy in that city is because there was a woman at a well that went back to a city that says, you need to come and see a man, praise God, that told me everything about myself, praise God, and I don't believe that's an accident that that happened in the sixth hour, praise God, come on, you following me? Is this too complicated? I don't think it is. I think we can begin to trace this in Jesus' name. And now, how about the ninth hour? Is anybody familiar with a time when something uh, powerful happened at the ninth hour? Oh, Jesus walking on the water? I got one even better than that. Turn to the book of Acts, chapter number 10. Okay? Acts, chapter number 10. And let's see if something powerful happened in a ninth hour, praise God. Scripture says in verse number 10, amen, or I'm sorry, chapter number 10 in verse number 1, it says, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all of his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Look at verse number 3. The scripture says there, and he saw in a vision, evidently, it says, about the... Isn't that cool? You see, I'm talking about the harvest. I'm talking about you can begin to go into the scripture and you can begin to understand what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the harvest. Amen. This is phenomenal, folks. This is phenomenal. One of the studies that I'm doing myself... At this point in time, and I haven't got it reached a conclusion yet, but when I do, I'll give it to you. Is that a deal? Praise God. But, you know, the Bible says not only, you know, early in the morning. Say early in the morning. The The third hour. Everybody say the third hour. Say the sixth hour. Somebody say the ninth hour. Praise God. But the Bible says about the eleventh hour. Praise God. And I'm still searching that one out, folks, because I believe that you and I are living in the 11th hour. I believe we are, coming, we are coming into the soon coming of the Lord. Praise God. You know, if you read the 25th chapter of the book of Matthew, you know, when it makes reference to um, uh, the bridegroom coming for the virgins. Remember that? And, of course, the virgins are, are a good representation of the church. What time did they come? Or what time was there a shout that was given? Midnight. At the midnight hour. So I believe that you and I are, I mean, I, I can't prove this right now, but I, I believe that you and I are living in the 11th hour, praise God. I believe we are living in a time, praise God, where we're going to see an unprecedented time, an outpouring of God's blessing, and the harvest is going to take place like we have never seen it before. In Jesus' name. Amen. And I believe the harvest is going, to be, is going to be representative of just exactly what's in this scripture. Amen. People coming to the Lord, you know, repenting, and being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins, and they're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Folks, that's how you can really, really begin to track the harvest of this last day. Can you lift up your hands right now and give God praise? Praise the Lord Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Praise Jesus. God. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah, God. Jesus. Come on, I'm talking about God is doing something powerful in these last days. Come on, and he showed Thank us that there are certain times when he will pull all of the stops. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah Jesus. Amen. Amen. Before before you meet me in in the Gospel of Luke, I want to show you something. I'm going to have you meet me in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, and I'm going to show you something there. But before we do that, I want you to go to the book of Romans. The book of Romans, and I want to show you something there. Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter number 10. And let me show you something in the book of Romans. When we came to... um, Um, To Wyoming right prior to our coming to Wyoming uh, we had a man his name was James McCoy and he came and he came to the Dubuque Church on a Sunday night and he preached a um, uh, What he called a commissioning service and the commissioning service was for Sister Carnahan and I they were commissioning us to come to Wyoming And I'll never forget it was a beautiful time it really meant a lot to me and one of the scriptures that he used is what I'm going to give to you right now The Bible says in chapter number 10 of Romans. Scripture says in verse number 13 there. It says, And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everybody say amen. Amen. It says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And then it says, And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And then it says, and how shall they hear without a preacher? And that's what he preached to us. He said, that's what you're doing. He said, you're going into an area, praise God, that's, in his mindset, was a mission field. And he said, you are going to become the preacher, and you're going to to preach this word. And I have never, ever forgot that. I thought to myself, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. And then the scripture says, and he used this one in our commissioning service, he says, and how shall they preach except they be sent? Do you see that? Praise God. And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel to, of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now, I want to bring this down to your level tonight, praise God, because at that time I thought, well, you had to be a preacher in order for you to go out and, and to do these things. And I'm, I'm not going to argue the fact that there, there, there are positions that God has and he sends them for, for, for his purpose. But I'm going to tell you for this purpose of this Bible study tonight, I want to help you to understand that God wants to send you. Yes. That's exactly what he wants to do. How many tonight would like to be commissioned into the city of Gillette, Campbell County, and the Rocky Mountain District. Would you like to be commissioned? Well, you're going to get that tonight. I want you to stand up, praise God, and I'm going to do just what James McCoy did to me, and I'm going to commission you. Isn't this exciting? Praise God. Something's going to happen to you tonight in the name of Jesus. God's already forewarned me. Praise God. Something's going to happen to you. Amen. And you're going to be used, praise God, in the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Praise God. I'm going to pray for you. If you want to join me, you can do that. But I'm going to pray specifically for these people right here in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every one of these people who have answered this call tonight. I believe you... You have put a calling upon their hearts. And I believe that, Lord God, as preachers, as proclamations of the gospel message, praise God, you're going to anoint them, you're going to give them wisdom, you're going to give them knowledge, you're going to give them boldness, Lord God, you're going to give them, praise God, a fresh vision and discernment, Lord God. I speak that word of faith right now upon every one of these in the name of Jesus. Here tonight, Lord God, regardless of their background, regardless of where they came from yes. Lord God tonight you are commissioning them yes. into Gillette Campbell County Wyoming in the Rocky yes. Mountain District as preachers as yes. proclamators of the gospel in the name of Jesus yes. give Jesus. them that burden God I pray that you will help that burden that you put on me will be put on them tonight yes. in the name of Jesus yes. and they will share in that right now Lord God oh hallelujah 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 in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God. And God give them a full 12 hour slot. Give them a full 12-hour shift in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You can be seated. What does that mean? I'm going to tell you that some of you might get up early in the morning some morning. And you might be called, praise God, to to teach or to preach somebody early in the morning. Praise God. It might be at 9 o'clock in the morning, praise God, the third hour of the day. That's what it was. But I want you to remember this, praise God, because you're in the harvest field, praise God. Somebody might get themselves a noon Bible study going, praise God, that might make all the difference for several families in this city, praise God. And then many of you like me, praise God, you're gonna get into the second shift. Amen. And at the five o'clock hour, you might find a Bible study, that type of thing. But I'm telling you something, I want the Lord to help us to understand that we're in the 11th hour, and all of these things are going to matter in the name of Jesus. You are commissioned to go into the harvest field. Amen. Amen. Just make up your mind that you're not going to argue with the wage. Just make up your mind yes. that that's not going to become a contentious that uh, contentious factor. That you're going to say, God, I'm doing this for your kingdom. Yes. It doesn't make any difference what, what, what the pay is. It doesn't matter if you never give me anything, God, because you have yes. done everything for me. You have saved my yes. soul. Come on, am I talking to people who've been baptized in Jesus' name and received the Holy Ghost? God has done it all for you in the name of Jesus. And I'm praying that God will give you that memory as you go into the harvest field in Jesus name. Isn't this exciting? It is. Come on, the harvest field is there. Jesus said one time that it's already ripe. Praise God. So now you have been commissioned to go into the harvest field here in Gillette Campbell County, Wyoming in the Rocky Mountain District. That's exciting. If I had some badges, I'd give them to you. But praise God, I believe in the Holy Ghost. That's going to hit some real, 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 real good areas. And there's going to be some people that are going to be used mightily in Jesus' name. Now let me finish out this Bible study, okay? And I want you to meet me in the 14th chapter of the book of Luke. I'm going to give you another example, praise God, of of the harvest field and hopefully what I've done already tonight has opened up your eyes that you can begin to see that that, that harvest field is, is there and that God wants us to be a part of it in Jesus' name. The 14th chapter of the book of um, Luke has to do with harvest field again, kind of he, he presents it in a little different way and I want you to see this and it has to do with I, what I see here is invitation evangelism, Okay. Let me begin reading in Luke chapter 14 and verse number 16. 14 and 16. I'm in Luke, okay? It says, Then said he unto him, it says, A certain man, it says, made a great supper and bade many, or basically invited a lot of people. And the scripture says, And he sent his servant at the supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. I believe that's in the 11th hour, by the way. And it says, And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. Verse 18. It says, The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go see it. And I pray thee, have me excused. Verse 19 says, And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them, or to try them, and I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Verse 21 says, So that the servant came and showed his Lord these things, and then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the scripture says in verse 22, it says, And the servant said, Lord, It is done, as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the scripture says in verse 23, and it says, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel, it says, them to come in, that my house may be filled. It says, For I say unto you, that none of these men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And so you got to understand, that was a direct order. You know, get out of your box. Go someplace that maybe somebody else doesn't want to go. And you go there and you begin to extend the invitation. Amen. And I believe that there's several in this room here tonight that you can sense exactly what that is. And starting tomorrow morning, I'm expecting God to really begin to open up your eyes to the harvest field that is in your life right now. Amen. The stereotype or the box that we've already had, the kind that we thought should come, God's going to do away with all of that. And God is going to give you eyes so that you can see exactly as he sees. In Jesus' name, praise God. I told you this story, but I want to finish off with this. When I first came to Gillette, Wyoming, now there might be two or three here that haven't heard it, so I'll just for your sake, I'll tell it. When I first came to Gillette, Wyoming, I was open. God, where do you want me to go? And I went everywhere, you know, that type of thing, just you know, handing out tracts, knocking on doors, whatever the case is. And one of the places that God opened up for me was the county jail. And I'll never forget, you know, I wasn't up there. I had like two services I did up there, and I got a call after that third service I think it was and it was on a Saturday night and they asked me if I would come up and I would do a one-on-one visit which I'd never done at the jail uh, from that time after that I'd done hundreds of them but um, I said sure I'll come up there and so I came up to the jail it was on a Saturday night I think it was around seven o'clock and um, they let me in and I, I, I got put back in one of the attorney rooms Felt real important, you know. I was an attorney, you know. But the idea of it is they, they ushered a kind of a, a, I don't know how old he, was, he would have been, probably in his 20s, and he was a sad-looking uh, person. There's no question about it. And they just told me a little bit about him. They said, this guy's on suicide watch, and we just thought maybe you could come up and you could help him. And I said, well, I'll do whatever I can. Well, I'll never forget, I, they put me in one of those rooms with him, the two of us alone, you know. And you've got to remember, this is one of the first few months I was in Gillette, Wyoming. And, um, and, they, um, and so I began to talk to him. And um, it didn't take uh, three or four words out of my mouth, how you doing, he just began to spill out his guts. And I mean, I don't know if he thought I was a Catholic priest or something like that, and he was in confession, or I don't know. But he just, I mean, he just, he just laid it out. And I'll never forget, I, I can't remember exactly all the details, but it was, it was a pretty tough situation. Uh, things that he had done, things that he had been involved in. And um, he, he was in pretty rough shape. And he went on for about 10 or 15 minutes just telling me everything. And finally, you know, he took a deep breath and he just sat back in the chair. And I just looked at him and I went, you know, I, I tried not to look too overwhelming, but it was an overwhelming situation that he had done. And finally, I, in, 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 in great f- spiritual insight, I said, We need to pray. And so I grabbed his hands and I began to pray. And I began to pray in the spirit. I began to pray anywhere, any way that God wanted me to pray. And my prayer was, God, I need to see this guy the way you see him. And that, that, I wasn't exaggerating. I said, I need to see this guy the way you see him. And I can't say that happened right away, but I just kept on praying, kept on praying. And in, in the midst of my praying in the Spirit, I would pray that prayer again, God, help me to see him the way you see him. And I'm not exaggerating. It was probably about maybe five minutes into that prayer, maybe a little longer. All of a sudden, it was like... It was, the only thing I can liken it is unto is... Um, uh, right shortly after I got the Holy Ghost, I struggled with the, Trini- the Trinity doctrine because I, I, I never understood it, but it was something that really blocked me. And when you people started um, introducing the oneness doctrine to me, there was a conflict in me. And I don't even know where that conflict came. Because listen, folks, I wasn't a good Catholic. I hardly ever went to church. But you, those people, they taught the Trinity. And it got a hold of me. And it was blocking the oneness doctrine that you were trying to give me. And after a frustrating night at church, and there shouldn't be too many frustrating nights at church, okay? If you're going to get frustrated, get frustrated before you go to church, okay? But I was frustrated at church because this oneness doctrine, I knew I had to get it. And so that night when I came home, I prayed all the way home. I lived 30 miles from the church at that point in time. And when I got home, I sat on my bed, and I just sat there, and and tears started coming out of my eyes because that's how worked up I was about it. And I said, God, something's got to happen here. I said, i got to see who you are. I said, right now I'm kind of confused, and I know that's not the way you want your church. See, I talked to the, the Lord just like that. I was no these and thou's. I just said, God, I'm in bad shape. Help me. And I lifted up my hands and I began to pray to the Lord. And again, the same thing that happened to me is the same thing that happened in that county jail. It was like scales were on my eyes. And they began to disappear. And I'll never forget. I saw the oneness of God. I saw Jesus Christ on the throne at the right hand the positioning of God. And I had never, ever questioned the oneness doctrine ever again. Now, I know that God can do that kind of stuff. And that night at that county jail, you know, with that guy confessing everything to me, the same exact thing happened happened to me. God took scales off of my eyes and I began to see that person exactly the way God saw him. And I believe that's one of the reasons I was able to to go for 32 years up to a county jail and minister to people, praise God, that were in trouble like that. Now listen to me. I don't believe that God loves me any more than he loves you. He just made his love available to me and I receive it, praise God, and I'm going to receive it more and more every day. Can you say amen? amen. But if you've got a problem like that, maybe it's a doctrinal thing. Maybe it's a personal thing tonight. But if you'll be brave enough to stand up on your feet tonight, I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to ask the Lord to do the same thing that he did for me, for you, in the name of Jesus. And that is to remove some things from your eyes so you can see the way he wants. Now, come on, I believe tonight God can set the captive free in this place here tonight, in the name of Jesus. Father in the name of Jesus. You did it for me many times, Lord. You did it for me that you will, you open my eyes in the name of Jesus. And God, right now, I'm asking you to do that to these people that we just commissioned into Gillette, Campbell, County, Wyoming and the Rocky Mountain District. Now God, this is an important 11th hour message. I believe you have people right here that are going to minister to people that are in dire straits. And I pray that you take the scales off of their eyes in the name of Jesus. There's even a couple of people in here right now that are struggling with your doctrines, Lord. I'm talking about the doctrines of Christ. And right now, Lord God, I ask you to take the scales off of their eyes, that you will help them to see clearly, Lord God, what your Bible says, what it means in Jesus' name. And Lord, I believe in your healing and your deliverances. And I believe right here tonight, you're doing that right here in this Bible study that you preempted me. You told me to preach this tonight God. You told me to do this and I'm out of obedience to you God. I'm doing it and I believe the results are right here in this place. I believe you are setting the captive free. I believe the blinded eyes are being opened in this place in the name of Jesus and I give you the praise and I give you the glory in Jesus name. Praise God. Come on let's lift up the Lord and give you him praise. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. And I believe that the Lord does stuff like that. Just like I told you Sunday night, I believe there was an energy, there was a spiritual energy that came out of this place on Sunday. for Both services, praise God. And I believe it went into the community, praise God, and it began to shake people in the name of Jesus. This 11th hour, praise God, revival is going to be powerful, folks. It's going to be greater than we can ever imagine. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stop imagining what I think should happen. You know, the Bible says he's able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that I ask or think. Think about that blank check that God gives us. And folks, the thing that keeps us is what we see. We sometimes think this is all God wants to do or this is the only place God wants me or that type of thing. And I believe tonight there is a special anointing in this place, not only to send you into the harvest field, folks, because the harvest field is not in here. The harvest field is out there. Praise God. But he's also going to take some scales off of your eyes so that you're really going to begin to recognize, praise God, what the harvest field is and who the harvest field is at that time in Jesus' name. Can you say amen to that? Come on, lay your hands on somebody right now and you pray for them, for that to happen to them. Come on, I believe tonight is the night. I believe that there's something special, praise God, that is being loosed into this place tonight in Jesus' name. God, I give you the praise and the glory, all of the honor, Lord God. all of